You're listening to the Stoic Solutions Podcast, practical wisdom for everyday life inspired by the ancient tradition of Stoic philosophy from Greece and Rome. I'm your host, Justin Vakula. Visit my website at stoicsolutionspodcast.com. For today's episode, I recorded with author Stephen Willison about his new book, Prospering, Applying the 2,000-Year-Old Teachings of the Stoic Epictetus to Modern-Day Life. Stephen Willison is an author and business professional. He has a bachelor's degree from King's College in Pennsylvania and an MBA from Marywood University. After serving in the U.S. Air Force, Steve embarked on his professional career in the tech industry, spanning over 20 years. He has been published in various magazines and journals and has been a guest on broadcast programs throughout the United States. He currently resides in Pennsylvania with his wife and children. Before today's conversation, a quick housekeeping note. I'm using a new microphone for this episode's intro and outro, but I recorded the body or discussion with my old setup. You can look forward to crisper audio quality in future episodes. Now, here's today's chat with author Stephen Willison. All right. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Justin. How are you? Good. Good start. We're here today to talk about stoicism in general and more specifically your book, Prospering. Can you tell us about your new book? It was. It came about as a result of years ago finding Enchiridion uh, by Epictetus. Uh, I thought that it was one of those pivotal things that everybody should read, but because it's written in a fashion that not everyone would love reading in that method, I decided to try to rewrite it in a um, in a more modernized retelling in the hopes that, that more people might find it interesting because it, it is a it is a in some cases a life changing way to think. Yes, yeah. Epictetus's handbook, the Enchiridion. And it's very accessible, your book. You take out certain passages, add your own thoughts to it, your interpretations and practical applications for everyday life. Yeah, yeah, that's how it came about and how it started and kind of also how I wanted it to go. Great. And how did you find Stoicism? I had uh, taken a couple of philosophy courses in school, but nothing, you know, not that I can remember hearing specifically about Stoicism, but then, you know, I was kind of a bit of a, a reader of biographies and a couple of presidents, a couple of uh, generals, whatever it was. And, and it seemed like there was a theme that every now and then someone would mention um, meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Uh, picked up meditations by Marcus Aurelius and I read it and I thought that it was amazing. Then I, you know, kind of went a little bit deeper and you know, read about where he had learned stuff, where teachers were, and found out that there was a lot of stoicism in it. And at some point picked up, had read about Enchiridion and picked up Enchiridion by Epictetus. And it was one of those books to me where when you, you know, it's almost like when you, you're listening to a radio or you're listening to music and a new song comes on and you're like, wow, I, this, you know, the, the music speaking to me, I understand the beats. It's, this is exactly what I've been looking for the whole time. And that's, you know, very somewhat what uh, uh, Enchiridion Epictetus's uh, book on uh, the manual was to me. Uh, it just, it, everything just seemed to fit. But it wasn't the music of Steve Wilson. You know, we have you on as Stephen Wilson. Yes. So not to be confused there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not the musician. 
Uh, although I do play, I do play <laughs> a guitar very poorly. Well, as you wrote in your book, the only way to get better is to be blessed with challenges. So maybe that can be of some. Yeah. If you want to know something, if I, so I, again, I'm kind of a big reader. Um, there's a, a old book. Um, it's it's called uh, it's called Musashi. Uh, it's by a, a Japanese writer. I think it was a serial in like eight or ten parts or something at one point in time. But it was um, it's written by and I'm going to do terrible. I apologize to uh, <laughs> anyone. Uh, All Japanese, the Japanese listeners. Yeah, for yes. any Japanese <laughs> listeners, I apologize. The author, his name is uh, EA or EA Yoshikawa. And he writes this, you know, historical fiction of the life of Miyamoto Musashi, who was the swordsman who started like fighting battles at the age of 13 um, with a sword. He would like just wander the countryside and, and, you know, fight other swordsmen. But as he was traveling, he anytime he passed a temple, he would he would pray for two things. He would one pray for uh, that his sister was safe at home and two that um, that challenges would come to him because it wouldn't be much of a life if he wasn't challenged. So uh, if you're, if you're lucky, you're blessed with challenges. I wrote that in the book and, and uh, I definitely got that out of Musashi's book as well. So. Yes. It's a common theme throughout a lot of the stoic texts. Seneca talks about that and saying, well, we're not the madman who wishes the greatest disease that's going to uh, debilitate us, but we, we can have an appropriate challenge that, Going back to Epictetus, I, I believe there's talk about wrestling and, okay, you want a formidable opponent. You don't want to just absolutely be crushed, right? You want to have uh, some chance in it. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every interaction, every chance. Yeah. And I don't, I won't, I don't wander around hoping that these, these traumatic situations happen, but uh, I, I frequently do, and it took a little bit to get there, but I frequently do ask myself, um, or, or when a, when something comes up, I'm like, oh, okay, uh, this is just another chance to practice. Yes, and that can give us an opportunity or some motivation to become better. That, okay, well, I, I have this obstacle how can I get past this? What can I learn from this situation? When you when you look at the world as being, okay, today I'm going to get, and I know Marcus really has said this too, but you know, today I'm going to be faced with something. And you know, the fact that I know that it's coming makes it a little bit easier for me to accept when it shows up, but it also allows me to mentally think of it as a as a challenge, as a game, as a way to as a way to improve myself or get better. In many ways, stoicism encourages us to get outside of our shell and that many people can retreat from challenges and say things like, oh, that seems too difficult. Oh, I couldn't possibly do that. And they don't even give themselves a chance. They just surrender before they even start. Yeah, yeah, completely. And, and just from learning a little bit about you online and other things, you seem to have been a person that has accepted a lot of those um challenges as opportunities so you know you're you're um we, we were talking shortly before the podcast started about the um the credit card things and how you look into those to experience the world a little bit differently and look at the world differently i think that those are those kind of speak to that the same way yeah being responsible with personal finance learning about different loyalty programs and creative ways to save money yeah so yes definitely taking on the challenge of that is I usually recommend to people start small, build from there, see what you can do, but just don't give up before you even tried. No, no I, I agree. Giving, giving up is cashing in the ticket. You know, it's not, um, 
it, it doesn't lead to a, to a to a more advanced or a better you. Yes, and in many ways, travel can also broaden our horizons. Oh, without as a doubt, well. the opportunity to meet new people, to learn more about history, to learn more about ourselves and our culture. Yeah. Well, Musashi didn't say, "I'm going to stay in my hometown and wait for challenges to show up." He decided to wander around the um, the countryside to try to find them himself. Building on that, you write in your book, try to see the world as opportunities rather than obstacles. If you've spent most of your life only seeing the dark side of things, the transition will be hard, but it may change your life. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I really ran into stoicism. Maybe I was in my 30s. Maybe I was in my 40s. I, I don't know. But but regardless, I had um, I had many, many years of and, and people tend to you, you have many years of training yourself to see the world in a specific way or in specific ways. So once you, once you start trying to change the way you think or change the way you look at things, it can be extremely hard. I mean, it's not like just learning a new skill or a language. It's a, it's an, it's an everyday, it's an immersion. It's a, it's a growth process. So it's, it's really tough once you start doing that. But I, I can only say to people, uh, it was it was a challenge. Um, but once you start looking at things differently, you know, and I forget who said this quote, but once if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So you have a big opportunity. And I, I can't remember who said it. And I want to almost think it was like Max Planck or some other physicist. It's it's a tough thing to do. But once you do it, it's it's amazing the world the way the world changes for you. The first listener in the comment section who identify the quote will get five bonus points. <laughs> um, th- those those points not might not mean anything. Like uh, whose line is it right. anyway? If yeah. some listeners are familiar with that show, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that that could be a, a bonus for some listeners. And it's interesting you you mentioned here seeing the dark side of things that people will lack an attitude of gratitude with in the Stoic text. The authors are constantly encouraging us to identify what's going well in our lives and to have appreciation for the positives rather than just dwelling on all of the negatives. Yeah, it, it's both, right? I mean, it's it, some people, I, I don't want to sound Pollyannish about it. I don't look at everything as being, oh, this is, this is great. I'm so glad this happened. I high five myself in a, in the street or something like that. But, but there, there are people that tend to be more negative when situations occur so you get into the car and you you see that the the end the gas light you know that, that your your gas is running low or or the charge on your EV if you have an electric vehicle whatever whatever it is and you know you start thinking oh great now I have to do this or you know it, there, there's a lot of things of the way that you look at it that can present itself differently or maybe you know so it's it, it's a challenge for both sides. And the Stoics are quite real about that, saying, yes, there is going to be suffering. There are going to be hard times. We're going to identify that. We're going to anticipate these things. So that way, in the moment, hopefully it won't be so bad because we've anticipated these things. We've prepared for these moments. In meditations, Marcus Aurelius said, you know, like now he said, if you're going to go to a bathhouse, um, you know, a lot of people don't go to bathhouses, to my knowledge, these days. You know, so I had rewritten a portion of that to be um, to be um, if you're going to a water park, you know, if you're if you're taking your kids to a water park or you're just going to a water park with your significant other, it, it's very likely that people are going to run around and splash you. 
you know, maybe you're going to be holding a drink when that happens or something. But before you walk into the water park, if you say to yourself, man, before I walk in here, I know somebody's going to splash me in the face with water. I know I'm going to get this happen. I know I'm going to get that happen. Or, or you prepare for those things mentally and you say, look, I know it's going to be sunny. Make sure you put on sunscreen. You are there when you walk in. And hey, if you get splashed, you're like, ah, I knew that was going to happen anyway. So I guess I'll just keep on with my day. Right. We can anticipate that some things won't always go the way that we like. And that's a constant theme within Stoic texts as well. That you can have these high expectations. You can want things to be a certain way, but the world isn't always the way we want. Things aren't going to go the way that we plan. Nature is independent of us. Yeah. We can't control everything. A lot of things are outside of our control. So we, we ought to realize that and make adjustments. Wholeheartedly agree. Yep. Yeah. And seeing, seeing these um, opportunities rather than obstacles is interesting. It was about two or three years ago, I was rear-ended on the highway on an exit ramp on the 4th of July. Oof. And I was walking, I was watching fireworks from the ho- the highway and laughing about it as like the, the police were coming. It's like, yeah, just going to have to deal with this, just going to have to make adjustments. And it, it turned out my car was deemed a total. I wasn't yeah. hurt. But at a later time, I got reimbursed for the car. And many would think like, oh, this is so terrible. I got hit on the highway, whatever. But it actually turned out being a good situation in the long run for me because I was effectively able to trade in my vehicle and I got a really healthy reimbursement from the other driver's insurance company. So many people in time, times of stress or panic, whatever you might want to call it, they, they won't always maintain um, an open disposition about it. They're just going to be very negative and curse the universe or the world or why me? I'm so unlucky. Right, right. <laughs> they have all these ne- negative interpretations about things. The universe does not wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to get, I, I, boy, I'm going to stick it to Justin or I'm going to stick it to Steve today. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's yeah. just, things just happen because things happen. Yeah, especially at the poker table. So I've <laughs> talked about poker in previous episodes. Uh, there are people blaming the dealer. Oh, the shuffle machine isn't fair. Oh, why is it that I never hit a flush? I never hit a straight. I haven't won a pot in the last three hours. And like, I'm looking at it from a different perspective and thinking, okay, it's a game of the long term right. that given enough time and given enough hands dealt, like everybody's going to have the same results. But if you're able to apply skill and maybe, oh, well, you played that hand a little bit different. I'm not going to get too much into the technical parts of it. But some people will play this poker game as a thing of just trying to hit hands and make hands, but they're not bluffing enough. They're not being aggressive enough with their potential hands. And they've, they've taken on a suboptimal strategy. And if they were, you know, other players will talk about strategy sometimes. Say like, oh, well, did you consider betting here? Oh, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. Oh, that's too risky, this and that. <laughs> so they're they're just seeing it from this perspective of being unlucky. And it's particularly them that's cursed by the poker gods right. or whatever the situation happens to well, be. Well, like you just said, if you sit down at the table and you've done your work, and you've prepared and you have a optimal strategy, right? Then, then things will probably be better for you. If you walk out of your, you know, and, and the same thing with stoicism or just life in general, if you have a suboptimal strategy, it will not go, it doesn't tend to go your way. You know, you, you could get very lucky, but, um, but you could also get very lucky if you have an optimal strategy with how you're going to approach life. Epictetus talks about too imitating those who play at dice, realizing that the results are outside of our control, but we can possibly apply some skill to games that we yeah. play or areas of life. Well, I mean, it's it's all a game, you know, in, in some in some ways. 
work, life, relationships. It's all it's all some sort of a and not to sound like it's like serious things are are a game in all cases, but uh, even even serious things are a bit of a you know game. I, I'm trying to use maybe game is not the right term for it, but um, it's something along those lines. Maybe game is 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 treating it too childish, but everything's got its optimal and suboptimal strategies. Yeah, so Stoics will use a lot of analogies within the text, comparing things to war, to games, to banquets, or all these different yeah. situations. Yeah, the banquet one's interesting. I, that, and um, when I was going through that one, I remember that chapter because you know Epictetus writes about visiting a banquet and reaching for food and stuff like that. That was that was a really interesting chapter, you know, because my book I, I don't know is like 150, 160 pages or something like that. But you know, Epictetus's the the Enchiridion's 52 chapters. They're very small. I don't know if it's ever been addressed, but for anybody that's new listening, you know, it means the manual. So it, this the book was written by Epictetus to be a, a manual for people to live their life by. Um, so and it's got everything in there from uh, relationships to eating to you know going to a bathhouse. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. thing that the wisdom of Stoicism has endured today. That people were writing in a much different time, of course, in ancient Greece, ancient Rome. But many of the human concerns are perennial; they still apply today. It's like the planting of a tree, you know, like a, when's the best time to plant the tree was, you know, 20 years ago or, or right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the same thing with that with me. It was, uh, gosh, why did I take so long for this to come around? And maybe maybe it did many times, you know, uh, you and I know the same philosophy professor from maybe it was the same thing. You know, maybe it was presented to me at some point in time, but I, I wasn't in the right frame to pick it up at that point in time but i'm i'm only i'm only glad that it eventually did yes if only our first grade teachers have presented right, uh, Epictetus, right? <laughs> yeah, i don't know if that would fly it probably would not be part of a, a present day uh curriculum but um it, it, but, it might, it, but it it may should be yeah yes yeah, so or at least uh, early high school yeah somewhere middle school <laughs> I, I don't think it how about for you that went to the first i mean i don't think i took a philosophy class in anything except for college so i don't i don't yeah, yeah. college as well yeah i mean i had always heard of socrates or plato or aristotle but i mean i certainly never heard of epictetus or heraclitus or any of these people thucydides prior to you know, late into later in life. Seneca. Yeah. Yeah. It, the knowledge just wasn't there in, in my younger years for sure. All right. To move on to a related topic, you write in your book, practicing patience can lead to freedom. I mean, there's a couple of things with that. First of all, I'd like to tell you, you know, something, something personal. So, so I'm married. I have three children. One of my children has Down syndrome. You know, it, it wasn't, and I will tell you this in, in all honesty, it wasn't until a later point in time where I, you know, she taught me, you know, she has taught me way more than I've ever taught her or maybe learned, I, you know, but she's taught me more about patience than anyone else ever has. But the patience to learn, the patience to grow, uh, the patience to understand, uh, leads to a lot of freedom. The patient, you know, the, the patience to understand finances leads you to have more money. The patience of uh, learning poker may lead you to get to, to have better hands. The patience of you know, all these different things eventually learns, leads to more of that. It, it's, it's entertaining to me because I think a lot of people are in a hurry 
to aggregate and to assimilate or whatever, but uh, it's the long road that seems to have the more avenues to freedom. Yes, we can make some temporary sacrifices in the present, have some sort of restraint, be mindful about our activities and saying, okay, well, maybe it's not a great idea to go to that fast food restaurant. You know, okay, yeah, the taste might be good for those 10 minutes or whatever, but then we're probably on the toilet later and um, not such great nutritional value there when we could instead just go somewhere else or wait until we get home and fire up the rice. Yeah, or the passion or the the patience to reflect, right? So, I mean, if I I do eat that, um, that fast food and it has a negative impact on me, if I don't if I don't sit and reflect on what it was that landed me into this spot, I may just end up in the same spot again at some in the future. So, but if I have the patience to reflect upon moments, it will lead me to not, hopefully not run into those moments in the future. Yes. Things like money, wealth, health, status, the Stoics talk about can be used for good or bad. It's not that money is a bad thing in itself, as we can use that for good purposes, but we can also use it for bad ends, and it can lead to compromising our own values, personal corruption, all these negative things, too. Some people uh, just think, oh, I have to spend, I have to spend, I need this new thing to be happier or to compete with others. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's not a, it's, it sounds like it's a good path, but... Um... I, I just, it wasn't the one for me. Yeah, it's interesting when you see the more extreme examples of maybe professional athletes and celebrities where they just keep buying, they just keep spending, and then they come out years later and saying, hey, it still feels like I'm missing something, even though I had all these possessions that I still ended up missing something. And I'm sure that they wish that they maybe have reflected on that earlier. But I don't know. Maybe they're having too much fun on jet skis or whatever it was they were, pur- they were or whatever it was they were purchasing. Yes, the Stoics stress moderation in many cases. Yeah, okay, you can have that fancy meal once in a while. You can go and have this lavish thing, but just don't overindulge. Right. Question the value of things before you get involved. Yeah, everything in moderation is definitely one of my uh, favorite lines. And also enjoying certain moments and being in the present as some critics will say oh stoicism is just about deprivation it's not about pleasure at all and the stoics are saying things like you write in your book to enjoy moments while you can realizing that everything in life including life itself is temporary privation you know and i'm I'm actually a big fan of trying to do without it stuff i mean i i definitely have toys and and other things like that in my life but uh trying to do without is is also extremely helpful yeah, and some things might actually be good investments that I, I mentioned the rice cooker earlier is it's a one of my favorite possessions in many ways it's like oh i can just prep a meal very easily by putting ingredients in and walking away okay that's saving my time and attention yeah so i'm happy to have spent the 20 dollars or whatever it was like a year ago or so with the newest model after the old one went out. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I can have some things that improve my daily quality of life. It's It doesn't have to be like have nothing, own nothing, and be happy. Right? Do you, What do you usually make with your rice cookers? Ooh, yes. I, I usually put in quinoa, couscous, brown rice, and I have veggies in a steamer tray. So pretty easy prep and cleaning. Things you just mentioned that take patience to prepare you know it's you're not always just having a um 
having someone deliver food right to your door because you're, you're ready for it right now. So having that patience to prepare healthy meals leads to the freedom, you know, hopefully to longevity, but also freedom to uh, flexibility, to be healthier, to be happier, to walk further, to not be as winded. Uh, it, it all, it all comes, it, it all comes full circle. There's usually a lesson somewhere in there that comes ties back to it. Yes, I think it's a tremendous peace of mind by saying, yeah. okay, I'll keep my average monthly expenses pretty low. I'll find ways to save money and not have to worry about well, how's that next bill going to be paid? Where's the next money going to come in? It's that I have more money behind yeah. it. It offers me a lot of tranquility, a lot of contentment, as the Stoics will talk I, about. I don't know how true it is, but I've always heard that people spend, you know, people that um, work, people that spend people will always spend approximately 90% of their discretionary income. And that answer is the same, whether they, you know, and, and every time you get a raise, it's still 90% of your discretionary income because you'll, you will find a way to spend the money. Yes. There can be a lifestyle creep. Right. Yeah. There, there you go. That, yeah, I've heard that term before. Yeah. Yeah. So try to avoid those things and say, oh, well, maybe I can invest the money. Maybe I can do other things with it rather there you than, go. oh, well, now I'm just going to buy this fancy shirt or this brand new car if I can instead get a used modest vehicle. Right. As you, you write in your book to ask yourself the question, are you getting a good deal on the exchange? Yeah. So if I buy something, you know, there's a there's another thought of do I own the things I own or do the things I own own me? And if I buy a, let's say a car that I am, um, I'm afraid to take out when it's raining or it's too sunny or it's, or whatever, you know, fill in the blank, or I don't want to take it to a, a certain parking lot because of the way that the parking lot is or the, the part, you know, the, how people park there that I'm afraid it's going to get scratched. Uh, are you, are you actually getting a good deal on that? Or is it just for the one time you're going to drive it periodically? So people look at it. And that's another thing in the book that, um, you know, Epictetus, he wrote it in the Enchiridion as a, a you know, as a horse, uh, I put it in, I, in, in the reinterpretation of mine, I put it in as a, as a car, those, those amazing attributes that that thing has, uh, they're not my attributes. I'm not, I don't have so many horsepowers. I don't go zero to 60 in three seconds or something like that. So, so when people look at it, they, that the, really those positive things, those, um, those attributes, they're, they're not mine. They're of something else. And the only reason I can get it is because I need to spend money on it. And am I getting a good deal on that exchange? of me having that over it having me. Yeah, it's really good questions to make before making, especially larger purchases too, where there can be some things that we can be very intentional about. If I'm browsing Amazon or eBay oh. at one o'clock in the morning, maybe think, oh, well, if I'm tired, I'm more likely to make that purchase. So maybe I should just um, put a pause on this and reconsider oh, yeah. it tomorrow. I, I, uh, or I, yeah, I, I'm at the dealership and they're pressuring me, oh, so maybe yeah. I can come back at another time. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times you struck a nerve there because I will frequently look on Amazon for watches. For some reason, I'm like drawn to them. I don't buy many of them, but I will, you know, I frequently like, oh, save that one for later or do this. And and then after a while, I'm like, what am I going to do with that? You know, like uh, <laughs> I, I, a long time ago, and this is once again, before I, I, I was in, I was in the Air Force and I was stationed overseas. And this guy, I was, station with we were having a conversation about watches and we were talking about the 
you know, the price of a Rolex, which neither one of us could afford. You know, it came down to, you know, why would someone spend more money for one over the other? And, it, you know, and, and ultimately he had said, you know, all it does is keep time. You know, so does that. So does that <laughs> over there. So does that over there. So that's why I don't actually buy them. But for some reason, I'm drawn to them. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've had a smartwatch. It's a Galaxy Gear S3, okay. I believe, uh, just offhand here. And I, I got that some time ago. There was a deal on Amazon. It was about 100 or $150. Yeah. And at the time, I got it because my phone didn't have mobile pay or Samsung pay. And I saw this as a great investment because I have a credit card that gives 4.5% back when using mobile pay. Oh. So in many ways, the watch paid for itself. And then just getting notifications, being more in touch with the world, just seeing texts on my wrist, especially if I'm at the gym and my phone's in the locker. Yeah. Um, I, I try to find utility in, in purchases that I make rather than just purchasing things spontaneously or just because I can. I, I ask these questions before. Maybe one ought not question too much and be an analysis paralysis where like I'm at a restaurant and trying to figure out for 20 minutes, so do I pick this or that? I, I'm not a fan of that at all. Yeah. <laughs> but for the big, the bigger purchases especially, I think that's where we can be more intentional. Yeah. Yeah, you got to think about it. You you mentioned that you use the keyword. I always try to say, you know, what what is the utility of it? Is it does it provide functions? Does it does it make my life better or allow me to have more time? I mean, it's it's funny because these days, you know, I I think about um, time control and and how much I have and that kind of thing. And and when I think about it, I and maybe that's why I'm drawn to watches. I, I don't know, you know, that but it's just one of those things where. It, I always think like, okay, what what am I going to do with this? What does it become for me? Do I really? Do I really? My uncle, my uncle used to tell me all the time. He goes, uh, he he would say, you know, you always have to ask yourself, do you want it or do you need it? And he had a he had a beautiful Mercedes. And I said, you know, uh, Uncle Bob, do you do you need this or do you want it? He goes, oh no, I need this. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, <laughs> but for him, that, maybe he got the category. Yeah, confused. no, I think it was just yeah, it's just one of those moments where you you called somebody on their bluff and they're like, yeah, you you got me. Uh, I'm just gonna make something up here. Yes, and the Stoics talk about entertainment. They talk about experiences, but they also warn. Again, this theme of moderation, not to go too into it, as they lamented some gladiatorial combats where people are cheering for bloodshed yeah. and decapitations and all of these other things that may or may not be censored by YouTube. Who knows? Uh, so, yeah, OK, we, we can like the wrestling. We can like certain forms of entertainment, but hopefully uh, not get too caught up in it and become ravenous or corrupted ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, recently going to concerts, I, I got a Nintendo Switch recently, which is nice for flights and cruises where the internet isn't always there or reliable. So some things to engage the mind and some fun. As in many past episodes, I've talked about philosophical themes in music, so it was nice to actually uh, go and see the band members myself. I don't think anyone should be should fully, you know, just just make their world minimalistic 100% of the time or privation 100% of the time. I don't think that's healthy. Just saying, I don't necessarily know that I, I, that I need the, um, whatever the expensive thing is. I don't know that I always need it. There are times where I think I do, but, uh, you know, um, still it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weighing them kind of thing for utility, for want, for need, for what it's, what it's going to do for me. Do I own it or does it own me? So it, it <laughs> I, I you know believe me when i go to purchase something it doesn't take me you know long long periods of time but uh 
um, I definitely do my research before I show up. Yeah, definitely. When when I'm in Atlantic City at Borgata, I can ah. go into a lounge with um, unlimited food and drinks for $12.50. Oh, amazing. And that's like the the easiest decision for me versus going to the steakhouse and spending like $200. Wow. Like this is the easiest decision of my day. Yeah. <laughs> like th this thing, this $200 steak has zero appeal to me. I, I will tell you. <laughs> So some, sometimes it's uh, easy choices. <laughs> I mean, I, I love food, but I, I try to think of it as much as, you know, food is fuel when I'm, when I'm eating it. And I do like, I do like steak. So I, not, but I don't think I'd pay $200 for a steak. <laughs> yes. And, and Stokes will realize that sometimes we will have lapses that we realize like, oh, I could have done better in this situation or, oh, geez, I made that impulsive decision or purchase. And what something you write in your book is to focus on progress, not perfection. Yeah. Trying to make things perfect leads to unhappiness and a lack of progress. This is, again, this is one of those sayings where I don't know where I, I originally heard it, but um, pro progress over perfection or progress not perfection. I've heard it both. I've heard it both ways, you know, and, and progress is sometimes in, is, is often intertwined with failure. And I fail very often. Um, I always try to look at them as opportunities, but, you know, I fail at that too. You know, so I, you know, this is not, this is all an experiment for me. Writing a book was an experiment for me. So I, and there's things that after I wrote it, edited it, printed it, sold it, all those things where I, I looked at it and the first, you know, on the first page, I was like, oh man, I, I should have did that better. But if I would have <laughs> read it a thousand times before I pulled the trigger on doing it, then I, then I, then it might not have ever gotten printed or I might not have ever even sat down to, to, to do any of it. Fail frequently, fail often, fail fast and, and think of it as progress, not perfection. Uh, perfect is a, I, I think somebody also said, you know, perfect is the enemy of, of progress. So probably the, the same sentence just reversed, but it's definitely something I always think about. And it's something I always say with a couple of friends, I, I own a uh, karate school and we've taught for years together and little kids, you know, when they go to learn stuff, they'll screw it up and they'll get upset. And they usually turn back and look towards their parents. If their parents are, are sitting in the, you know, the audience chairs and they, they turn back to look at them and, I was some, Hey, that that's okay. You know, let's just do it again. You know, this today you get to, to step two next tomorrow, you get to step three. It's progress, not perfection. You're, you're, you know, nobody does it perfect. Yeah. No one's getting the black belt on no, day one. No. It's intentionally a incremental progress. Yeah. And if you, tr and like I said in it, if you try to make things perfect, it's going to make you mad because when that thing happens and it's not perfect, you don't want to continue. And that was, you know, that was a problem for me at a point in time where I would be like, I, okay, I tried this. It didn't work. I'm never going to do it again. But that does not lead towards progress. That, that leads towards you being upset and maybe not trying things next time. And I don't, I don't believe that that's the way you should go about life. Uh, you know, I'm still going through mine, so I'm not 100% positive, but I, I, I would not recommend that as a method. Yes, and I'm thinking to be 
realistic yeah. and to be honest with ourselves when we consider goals some people will think oh well i messed up on day one so i must be a failure and right. i'm no good and these are all generalizations that we just shouldn't take on and be so yeah. negative about yeah it. Co completely and sometimes we can try to take on a new skill a new hobby a new vocation a new workplace and find out that that role just doesn't suit us you you write in your book if a role doesn't suit you fine choose a new role r-o-l-e but while you're at it, accept it and do it in the best way you can. He does write about that. My spin on that was I've seen people in personal experiences or jobs, you know, they, they get somewhere and they start doing whatever it is and they're not really happy, but they're in the right company. They're in the right industry. They're in their favorite industry, or maybe it's what they went to school for. Maybe it's not, but they, they really love the industry that they're in, but they're in the wrong job. So if they say this is not for me and they quit and they go do something else, I mean, sure, you could quit. You could go somewhere else. Uh, it, it may be favorable for you. It may not. But if I'm in that job and I know this is not where I want to be, but I know that if I, I know that if I crush it, I know that if I do really good. I know that if I do the best job I can while I'm in here, then, and I accept that what I'm doing is what I should be doing right now, then I could apply for that other job in six months and they'll go, oh yeah, well, how was he in that last one? Well, he didn't want to be there, but he, he rocked it. He did, he did, he did great. You know, we know that that's not the, the role he wants to be in, but he owned it, he or she owned it while they were there. And, and that's going to get you that step to the, to the, to the next one. And I personally have been in those positions where I'm like, okay, this is not where I want to be. So let me learn absolutely 100% of it. Let me see if I could turn this into something else. Let me see if I can try to improve it to make it what I want to be. And if I can't, at least you're doing the right things. You're living by virtues or values or, and, and those things come out in the wash when you're eventually going to apply for those other things. A strength within the philosophy is the idea of change, that things can get better. You can make choices with your life. You're not just fated to be in one position forever. As they even say of life itself, the door is always open. You can exit. Now, I'm not saying, okay, engage in, um, for the YouTube censors here, self-deletion if you're not liking how things are going and the, you know this week or this month, there's some hope for change in the future. We can reflect on times in the past where things seem hopeless, but we found a way out. Now, there might be some extreme situations the Stoics wrote about of maybe we get, um, let's say, stolen away by a roving gang of marauders and, you know, chained and forced to do things, then maybe, you know, maybe that could be a, a case for ending it. But uh, hopefully not in modern life, we're facing situations like that. Like even in, in old age with terminal illness, it might be a good choice for many to exit, to leave that door. But in many other cases of life where the stakes aren't as extreme, okay, you're unhappy at work, you've tried to change things. Maybe a rational decision could be to leave and try something else, try a new position rather than people, oh, I've been working the same job for the past 10 years and I'm so miserable. I don't even want to be there. And I, I even see it in some people day to day, some cashiers, they're just so miserable. And it's like, well, if you're going to be here, try to make the most of it or find something else. But some people are resistant to the change or they think they can't do it. Uh, there could be all kinds of reasons. Stoicism for anybody that reads about it. And, you know, 
unless this is the first time anyone's listening to a podcast on stoicism, you know, there's, there's a big piece of stoicism to look at things you can control, right? Can, can you, to, to make the, to look at things from a, a binary of, do I have control over this or do I not have control over this? And I may not have control over all the things that my job is, but what I do have is influence. And I could influence the way that I, 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 I could control the way I look at a job, but maybe I could influence the things that I do to impact that job. And there's a, there's a difference between control and influence. So that person, so if I didn't like my job, I have the control to quit. That's within my control. I mean, I could say, "Hey, I'm, I'm. This isn't for me. I, I control myself. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's just not for me." But I also have the opportunity to see it as a challenge. To go back to one of the other ones, to see it as a challenge, and to say, "Okay, well, I may not control this whole thing, but let me see if I could influence the people that are coming through my line as a cashier." and smile at them, or maybe I'm allowed to wear a different hat every single day or, or, or whatever it is. Maybe I could influence that role and in some capacity to then make it what I want it to be, but that's still a form of influence in the job, but control over myself. Yeah, a lot of ways to possibly tackle the problem or maybe, okay, you're working with a certain chain and maybe you can request a different location within the same company. Maybe, oh, well, cashiering isn't going so well, so maybe I can stock shelves or work in a different department or, oh, well, the security job here, loss prevention isn't so great, so maybe I can try to be a cashier, like a lot of solutions rather than just totally giving up. Because right. if all the fixes fail, then maybe it's time to move on and try something yeah. else. And again, that's where it comes back to, yeah, you're. I, I always say to people, you're not a tree, you know, so uh, you can you can pick up, you can pick up your feet and move. A tree's got to stay where its roots are. If, you know, there, there's times, you know, just, re just remember you're, you're not a tree. You can make the decision to move if you wanted to. I, I don't know if you've ever done jujitsu, but um, this guy he used to do jujitsu with a uh, great guy. He always, he, he was, you know, he was an instructor and he would say, you know, you got to remember when you're, when you're doing this stuff, you, you it's, it's tough to move another 200 pound, person it's pretty easy to move my own weight so i can always i can move me i but i have a real tough time moving you over and over again the ability to remember that i can move me or i can move my mind or i can move whatever it is i i can move those things to change a lot of things about my life or the way i look at them um it's very tough to move another person Especially some, I don't know if anybody's tried to pick up a baby, you know, sometimes, you know, like if they don't want to be held, you know, it really fast. And now imagine that's a 200 pound person trying to uh, influence you or, or just get you to tap or choke you out or whatever it is. Yeah. And even Marcus Aurelius noted that he's going to meet with difficult people. It's, it's just a, an inevitable thing. And unfortunately, some will have that at home. Some will have that with family members relationships, whatever the case can be, and they, they can feel very stuck. But even then, I think there's always some hope for change, even if it means exiting the situation, if that's the rational conclusion. That line of, in the beginning of it's like, I don't know, begin each day by telling yourself something. That is one of my favorite uh, pieces of, of Marcus Aurelius's meditations, because it, it's, and that's, that goes back to the, 
the water park for me. You know, begin, begin before I walk into the market park going, hey, today I'm going to meet with a bunch of buttheads. They, you know, they're not going to want to be in line. It's going to be hot out. They're, they're going to be rude to each other. I, I know it's going to happen, so I might as well be prepared for it. Yes, and don't, don't let those little things no. ruin the experience yeah. for you. All right, very good. And as we're wrapping up here, can you restate the title of your book where people can find it's it? It's Prospering, and it is on Amazon. It's, it's under Steve Willison. The, sub, the subtitle of it is Applying the 2,000-Year-Old Teachings of the Stoic Epictetus to Modern Day Life. That's pretty long, but just remember Prospering. And if you don't read this one, uh, that's okay with me too, You know, but uh, definitely try to pick something up about Stoicism. Or, or the free versions of Sto- a lot of things about stoicism online. It, it definitely can help influence a life. Very good. And I'll aim to put a link for your book in the show notes for listeners. And if you could state your name and spell it again. For it's listeners. Stephen Willison, S-T-V-E-N. Last name is Willison, W-I-L-L-I-S-O-N. I always say it's like, Will is on. Ooh, <laughs> that'll do it. And how can people find you online? I am Will6769 on Instagram, W-I-L-L-6769. I don't know where it came from. I think it just came when I applied for it. Your name has already been chosen. He Here's, yeah, one for congratulations, you. <laughs> you have a name. But thank you thank you for asking. I was ill-prepared for that. those questions. Oh, no, yeah. no problem. All right. Any other closing thoughts? No, other than I appreciate you and, and what you're doing. I've, you know, in preparation for this, I, in preparation for this, I reread Marcus Aurelius, you know, which I, I've probably read, I've probably reread Marcus Aurelius three or four times. Epictetus many, many times had listened to a bunch of your, your podcasts, uh, whether they be on stoicism and other very interesting topics, you have a lot of great pre- great uh, guests on. So I think it's wonderful as well as, as well as trying to listen to some of them on the, uh, the credit cards, which are, are new to me, but I definitely think that it's interesting stuff. Yes. The hurdy gurdy travel podcast, yeah. like the music instrument. But thank you. Justin. All right. Very good. And we'll be in touch afterwards. So thank you for coming on. Thanks to listeners for tuning in. Stay tuned for more content. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more content. See the show notes for more information and links surrounding topics discussed in this episode. Support my efforts through my Patreon page found at stoicsolutionspodcast.com. Access special perks, including having upcoming podcast guests answer your questions, custom-made podcast episodes, and private one-on-one calls to discuss whatever you'd like. Visit my other podcast at hurdygurdytravel.com, that's H-U-R-D-Y-G-U-R-D-Y travel.com, to learn how to make money, save money, and travel the world at low cost with credit card rewards, deals, and loyalty programs. Meet me in person during monthly meetings in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, with my group Greater Philadelphia Travel, Credit Miles and Points, found at meetup.com slash philly miles and points. Find me in the 2022 book Stoicism Today, Selected Writings, Volume 4. Order a paperback or Kindle version of the book from amazon.com. Find a link in the show notes. Thanks to generous patrons and fans of this podcast who help support my work. Have a great day. Music